Welcome to the Herbal Womb Wisdom Podcast, where we explore the embodied practice of herbalism with the womb at the center for folks who are new to herbs or herbalists in the making. This is a place to become empowered to include herbs and natural therapies in your personal health and, most importantly, to reconnect to the deep wisdom and healing capacity of your own body and the earth. I'm your host, clinical herbalist and integrative health educator, Kailea Honeybee. Let's dive in. Hello, beautiful friends. Welcome back to the Herbal Womb Wisdom Podcast. I'm so happy that you've joined me again today. I'm really looking forward to sharing this episode with you. It's a special one. It's actually covering a topic that I'm really not that familiar with in my own embodied sense. And so I'm glad that I can have someone come on who has a very embodied experience and also clinical experience working with folks in abusive relationships, whether that is something that you're experiencing or something that maybe a friend of yours is experiencing. It's one of those things we just don't talk about, right? One of those things that, oh yeah, we know it happens and it's kind of over there or it's something in your past or something that might be happening right now. But my mama, y'all, abuse is a real thing. Relationship abuse is a real thing. And probably a lot of us who don't even know that we're experiencing it are. So this is, it could be a triggering podcast. So I do want to put that out there because Amy does share some of her personal experiences, not with physical abuse, but more with her experience in a relationship with a person who was a narcissistic abuser and she, the experiences that she had living in that and not even knowing that it was happening for many, many years. She was in this relationship for seven years and it was only really the final year that she was in it that she started to realize that. And I also want to speak to just how this relates to womb health. If you think back to episode one, if you listened to what is womb wisdom, we talked about how the womb itself is related to both the first and the second chakra, but specifically that first chakra energy is really that space of safety and security and capacity to be grounded on this planet in the earth, in your body. And our wombs are very deeply connected to this experience of being grounded and feeling safe. And when we're in an experience that is traumatic in any way, whether that is a different kind of trauma, having, you know, PTSD or different kinds of, you know, sexual traumas, or we're in a relationship where there's this sort of chronic underlying abusive experience happening not only does that really affect us on a stress level, which could infect our hormones, but it also affects our ability to feel embodied and grounded and present and connected to our womb, to our intuition. And Amy does talk about a number of these things in her experience and how she really lost her connection to her own personal intuition and is tra- retraining herself. So she talks a lot about her own experience. And I'll just share here that my guest today is Amy Brainham, who's a clinical herbalist, an Ayurvedic practitioner, and an incredible herbal teacher who has a school in Northern California in Nevada County where I used to live. And we used to work together at Halo, which was an herb shop in town. So that's how I know her. I know her personally. She's an amazing human. And she's gone through quite a transformation these past few years from being completely shattered to really becoming a brilliant embodiment of herself, like really coming into a place of strength. So her story is really inspiring. And I think that is 
Ah, it's just like one of the main reasons it feels really good to be to have her share here. Plus, she's been working with people clinically to help them find their way out of abusive situations, including narcissistic abusive situations. Because of her own personal experience, she has the capacity to do this really supportively for people in a healthy way, really guiding them, which is something that I know that she didn't feel like she had. So she's really offering that. The whole first half of the podcast episode is really about how to identify narcissism in your relationship or in a person and how to support a person to kind of start pulling out of it. And then the whole second half of the interview is really, she talks a lot more about the way out, you know, how to support yourself with herbs, how to support yourself with people. I mean, a lot of what she talks about is not just herbs, because really herbs are not going to change this, you know. Yes, there's supportive things that you can do on the way. And of course, the herbs are allies for us. But there's also physical and more energetic support, whether that's body work or healing modalities or just getting like actual hotlines support in that way, having friends and finances, you know, she really talks about the whole thing. And she also speaks about how alone she felt when she was coming out of her relationship and how there just weren't resources out there to really support her and to help her to understand what was even happening. So I hope this episode feels like that kind of resource for somebody who is in the midst of something really hard, whether that is a deep trauma or, and a lot of this can be related to coming out of different trauma, traumatic experiences and healing from those and kind of repatterning yourself in order to enter into your life again. Maybe you've been shattered in some way. So may this be something really supportive for you. Before we get started, I do want to make our disclaimer that Anything that is shared today is just for your education, for your own personal empowerment, for you to do more research on, for you to find the resources that feel good for you. And Amy is a clinical herbalist and an Ayurvedic practitioner, and she works one-on-one with people, but she is not your clinical herbalist. And so it's really important if you have any questions or if you're going to incorporate any of this into your life to do your own research to connect with a trusted healthcare provider if that's needed, and also to absolutely always check in with your own self because your own self always has better answers than anyone else. Truly, your deep wisdom is a treasure. And I also want to be sure to mention that there are gendered terms used in this podcast. The information is really important and good. And if you do feel like you're in any kind of abusive situation, especially if there's any narcissism that you are sensing, this may be really helpful for you. And, you know, abuse happens no matter what gender you are. So I believe that this episode is worthwhile to listen to and just making the mention that there are gendered terms. So if that's challenging, at least you have that awareness. Okay, my beautiful friends, here is the interview. Welcome, Amy, to the Herbal Womb Wisdom Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yay. Um, Let's just start by you introducing yourself a little bit to us. What would you like to share to let us know a little bit about who you are and what your experience is in the world of herbal medicine? So, um, yeah, I've been in the world of herbal medicine for a little over 20 years, I think. And I'm also an Ayurvedic practitioner and flower essence practitioner. Uh, I just love all things plants. Um, I studied botany when I was in college, but was never really completely satisfied with, I would see the magic and, and the, the teachings of botany and they would just be like, uh, 
no, Amy, you know, the divine order of things. <laughs> and so, they, and I would get all excited and they'd be like, no, Amy. <laughs> and they did not like that. I made, when I did plant collections, I made my presses look pretty. And it would be like, the plants don't need to look pretty. It's, yes, they do. So Anyway, there were a little bit of differences we had between those things. So then I went into the world of herbalism. It just fit me perfect. And there's really nothing else I can do in this world. So now, yeah, I have a a clinical practice and I also um, have a school, the Northern California School of Botanical Studies. And I, that's just where I love to share plant medicines and just get people inspired in it and getting people inspired to heal. So. Yeah. Mm, I love that. I love, I really, really love the way that you show up online, which is mainly how I'm seeing you these days, even though I knew you in person when we lived together in Nevada County. I just love seeing you online and the way that you really bring the plants to the people. I feel like that's like who you are is like connector of plants to people in like all the ways, the physical ways and the energetic ways. I just, I love the ways that you offer yourself to the plants and to the world. Oh, thanks. Yeah. If I could just do that, if I can just turn people on to this, because it's a, it's a, a way of perceiving things too, because a lot of the world does not see plant, do not see the plants period. Um, yes. see them as, as, as just like things that are out there and the more people I can pull into the world of seeing the magic of um, what's happening in individual plants, then the more I'm satisfied with my life. <laughs> so uh, that's why that's kind of my, my driving force in this world. Yes. I love that. I love that so much. And I feel it in you so much. Okay. So let's dive into the topic at hand today, which is actually a really interesting one that I'm, it's really out of my wheelhouse is kind of relationship abuse and specifically narcissism and how that can show up in relationships and how herbs might be able to help us in relating to it. So let's maybe start with you sharing a bit about why this topic feels important to you and what brings it up and why you want to share about it. Yeah. So I feel I'm, I'm finally at that place and I'm kind of putting it out there this year and and on different um, platforms also of where I can actually share better about it. I've been sharing a little bit throughout the years, but just here and there, it takes a lot for me to even prepare myself to talk about it. You know, it used to, mm-hmm. um, but that was because when I was in the middle of it, there was no information out there. There's um, no understanding of it uh, from your peers and everyone around you. So basically there's a lot of mishandling of how to deal with your friends when they are in an abusive relationship, how for, for me even to figure out that I was in one was, it took a lot of research. It took a lot of determination. It took a lot of talking to the right people, like even professionals, you can talk to the wrong professionals, people that just aren't as aware of uh, narcissism and they can't see that you're actually in it. Uh, So there needs to be more awareness. And while there is more, there's becoming more awareness, it's also getting well dispersed a little because there is confusion with what it is. And so now people are overusing the term narcissism Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and so people are like, Oh, well, yeah, I'm narcissistic, but I also, you know, but I'm not this abuser. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's two different things. So don't, you know, don't water down this whole, this abuse situation that people are being, getting in 
versus just being narcissistic, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so, so it sounds yeah. like you, you had a really deep personal experience with being in a relationship that included an abuser, basically a narcissistic abuser, and you found your way out of it and you're sharing your personal story and also supporting, want to support other people through the Yeah. I, well, I'm sharing my personal story, but since then I have um, worked with a lot of, a lot of clients come to me because of this, Mm -hmm. uh, because Mm -hmm. I have experience. And I also, I was talking to another uh, practitioner, you know, and they were saying, I, you know, I really don't know how to talk to people about it because I I realize I'm not familiar enough about it with it. And so I've had a lot of people come to me who have been in that situation or are trying to get out of it or trying to understand it. And People need that help. And when I, I po- make, you know, small posts every once in a while about it mm-hmm. online. And, and when I do, you know, I can't even tell you how many people write to me and say, please keep writing about it. Please keep it. Cause mm-hmm. number one, they can't speak up and they can't put their words out there. Also, you know, they, it, it, there's like some piece of understanding that helps people to pull themselves out as well. So I just realized that this is what we need to get out of it. You know, this is what people need to get out of it. And it is a long, hard journey on the way out. (laughs) So to have some support is crucial for, you know, for everyone. And I didn't have that. I I did have to find my own way out. It's possible, but it does help to have some sort of support, someone to say, okay, I know what you're saying, you know, instead Mm -hmm. of, oh, well, there's two sides to the story or, you know, we, that's not what people need when they're in an abusive situation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the more places that we can share or that you can share, it's like, this is something that I'm so not trained in and that I don't have personal experience with. So it's like the more places that you can share your story or that you can support other practitioners to be able to support other people to recognize these patterns. And even on a podcast like this, where we can actually, you can share like the specifics that people can look for. So let's dive into it. Let's get clear maybe first on what narcissism is like, how can we identify it and what would we look for in a relationship? So I'm going to go ahead and just differentiate between narcissism and the personality disorder. We do say narcissist, mm-hmm. you know, like when we're talking about people with the personality disorder, we're talking with abusers, but to be narcissistic is to be self-absorbed and there's, and mm-hmm. all people are self-absorbed on some level. All people have, you know, uh, a little bit of narcissism in them on some level. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, that's okay. That's normal. But there's the personality disorder, which is what, you know, we'll talk about today. It is a little tricky to even define, even when I look up the different definitions of it, they're kind of kind of roundabout because there are different aspects that can determine narcissistic personality disorder. But basically it's that maybe the person seems self-absorbed in that they have like grandiose ideas about themselves or their you know, need for uh, success to seem successful or to have the nicest things or whatever it is. But the, the main things is that they lack empathy. Mm. They have, they can't really empathize and, and it can be tricky because some of them can fake that they know how to like show kind of make it look like they have empathy. But once you get to know them closer, you realize that empathy is not there. So they lack empathy and they are pretty entitled in a way. And it's all from, you know, it's, it's, I can totally understand like, and that's the soft, the soft part of me that wants everyone to heal. Right. Like, you know, I can, I know that it's from, it's from past trauma, Mm -hmm. you know, or 
it, it can be, they think that it could possibly be genetic sometimes, but a lot of it's from trauma and you see like the beauty in them too, you know, but they, they're really like almost stunted emotionally at a younger age. And so they kind of act out like, like, uh, like children. So it's a little bit complicated to say that, but, but the, the main parts is that they lack empathy. There are, are signs with like how they treat their, their relationships. And that's basically that they usually have someone that's a target for things. And then they also have people that they are giving a lot of attention to. And that's because their feet, they kind of feed off of, they do, they feed off of attention. And that's, that's the main thing that narcissists are doing there. They, they need attention from anyone and everyone they can have. So when they're in a, when you're in a relationship, you are their source of energy for that. Mm -hmm. So the best way to really show like how in a relationship that, that there's like patterns and it's kind of mind blowing every single person I've worked with, it's almost the same story. It's like they, none of these people know each other, but they follow a script in relationship. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that I look for when, you know, when people are, I'm not a, a psychotherapist, I can't diagnose people with narcissistic personality disorder, but I look for these patterns and I say, you know what, you know, like it's possible that this is what's going on. The things that, that happen in the relationship pattern is usually like there, there's a term love bombing. And so in the beginning, they, they pretty much like just do everything they can to win you over. And it's amazing. And you're like blown away by the gifts and the perfect actions and being there and everything is said the right way. And I didn't even know for years, but, you know, in my case, it was, I realized that they just uh, mirrored me, you know? Oh, this is what you like. So, you know, let me go get those things. And and they just took all the things that I like, not instead of showing me what, who they are, they just replicated the things that I like to do and took that on as their own. So anyway, it's, it's love bombing is usually the first step. And you just think that you're in this amazing love relationship. And then usually once it's, once you get comfortable that things crash and then you see the reality of what's going on and you're like, whoa, what, you know, but, but by then you're already too deep in. And so that's kind of the way that it goes. And so there's other things that happen, like uh, similarities that happen with them other than the love, love bombing. It's an up and down thing. So, you know, they'll, they'll do things to punish you basically to shut you out, to take, they, they give you a lot of attention and then they take it away. And it's, it's this really messed up manipulative situation that is ongoing and you just are, it's very manipulative in your mind. There's gaslighting is another typical uh, thing to look for where there's, where they'll do things and they'll say, no, I didn't do that. You know? Mm -hmm. And you're like, yes, you did. And, and I, you know, it's not a level of intelligence or anything like that. I know plenty of people, women who, and, and men, I'm not saying that narcissists can't be either one because they can. It is more typical in men. They are either like high ranking in their businesses. They are intelligent. Um, it's none of that. It's the ability to be emotionally manipulated. And most of us are not experienced in seeing that now I have all the experience, mm -hmm. you know, things to look for, not, not answering questions directly. Now I have all these tools to look for, but 
at that time, I was not aware that people even had the energy to lie so much <laughs> or, mm. or go that much into convincing someone of something that's not real. So there, there's, it's, it's actually a pretty complicated thing to look for, but the gaslighting, the love bombing, and then the silent treatment that follows a lot of things when they don't get their way, having, having a, a person to target, whether that's you or another person. And th- these can also be an abusive relationship. One person I just recently had, they were completely in a very abusive relationship, physically abusive as well. Mm. And I said, but they were in denial of needing to leave, of mm-hmm. really needing to cut it off. Mm-hmm. And I said, how was your last birthday or holiday with them? How did they treat you that day? And the person said, I don't want to talk about it because it was so bad. And and that's, you know, on the days that you should be receiving attention or that are special for you, not even that much attention, you know, they don't want the attention taken away from them. So they usually sabotage that on some level. And so it's like um, completely the opposite in the beginning is what you're saying. It's like in the big, be- in the beginning, you're manipulated to feel like you are the queen of everything, you know, like you are, you are the, the most beautiful, most amazing. They've never had a relationship like this in their life. They have never been with someone as amazing as you. It is full on. You are, you are it. You are who they have Mm -hmm. wanted their whole life. And then once they have you locked in, it's a completely different situation. And so is this like an an unconscious thing that's happening for them? I mean, are they intentionally manipulating? I mean, it's just like, actually, this is their belief structure. Yeah. I think that it, I think that's kind of a hard thing to say because it is, it is clearly driven by the subconscious Mm -hmm. clearly. You know, I, I was some this woman once said the reason you stay in these narcissistic relationships is because you do see the good in people, mm-hmm. and and you you know you want people to you know you you see that sweetness in them. But the truth is also, even though it is driven by subconscious, they they know how to act around everyone else, mm-hmm. and then and know to hold things back until you are alone, and then that's when the onslaught of the abuse comes on. I mean, know? that sounds like other abusive relationships that I, I know about too, even like physically abusive mm-hmm. relationships, like how a person can seem so okay and socially adjusted in groups or with other people or with their friends. And then in that intimate relationship space, it can look totally different. So yeah. yeah. And so it does a lot of abuse. There are a lot of abusive relationships are due to narcissistic personality disorder. Mm-hmm. A lot of them do go hand in hand. However, they, it doesn't have to be physically abusive. It doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, it can just be emotionally abusive. And even um, for me, one of the, another hard thing is I had found out about narcissism. I was reading about it, but it still took me two years to become convinced that that was who my partner was because I had, did not find nothing really fit. Mm-hmm. And then I found out about covert narcissism and Mm -hmm. these people. So a lot of abusers, you know, when they get you alone then they say, tell you how terrible you are. And, you know, they, they do all the terrible things to you, but covert narcissists don't use the exact words. It's always a roundabout way. Mm -hmm. So even when you're telling your friends or, you know, trying to explain I'm, I'm in an abusive situation and you tell them they're like, Oh, that doesn't sound so bad. You know? 
Mm-hmm. And they, it's hard for people to grasp that all these little things really build up and break you down and completely, you know, I, I'm a very strong, very independent woman mm-hmm. <laughs> and I have always been, but after seven years of, it was a bit by bit, you know, I can look back and see bit by bit how I gave up my power in places. Yeah. Um, so will you tell us a little bit about like how it was for you, you know, like what, what did you notice in yourself in terms of what was happening in the process of being in this relationship? Well, honestly, for, like I said, I was in a relationship for seven years and I was so unaware that I knew there were manipulative people, but I did not realize (laughs) that I just didn't realize this would happen to me. I just didn't realize it was that easy to find people like that. And so my role in unhealthy relationships is that I want to not fully accept the things that are not good. And Mm -hmm. I want to talk them out of it. I want to like help them through to get to that better place. Mm -hmm. But the, the truth is that it's not, we can't be responsible for that. They have to do that work on their own. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So I kept feeling like, okay, well, I can, I can, we can go to a therapist. We can, you know, we can do all these things. So, so for me, I did not really realize it, but looking back, I realized, okay, so he uh, talked to me into, we moved out here together, right? We moved out to California, left, I left my whole family, everything. I had never seen one sign of anything weird until I moved away from my community. Oh, uh uh-huh. And it was literally on the drive across the country. And I was like, whoa, this is weird. And then when we got here, I, I didn't have my own job. I worked with him and that is also giving up your power. Right. And, and that's what a lot of women, I, you know, try to express this a lot, especially here in California to not, to make sure you're getting paid, no matter, even if you're working with your partner, you need to be getting paid. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially the cannabis industry or, you know, Mm-hmm. Things can be like a little, you know, gray area. <laughs> yeah, a um, lot of gray area. <laughs> yeah. So, so my idea was that we're, we're, yeah, we're doing this for the family. We're doing this for the family. That's what we always said. However, his idea was as long as he's the family. And so I gave up my financial power. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't, we don't have any money. We had, we made plenty of money, you know, but like mm-hmm. we never had money for me to have in my own bank account, unless it was to funnel things that he needed through the bank account, you know? So it was crazy. Um, unless it was for like me to buy the plane tickets and things like that. So, (laughs) so that was looking back. I'm like, I should have never allowed, you know, I should have been being paid the whole time because the business grew and grew and I ended up with nothing. Mm. Um, so, so that's, you know, that's one part, but the thing is that as I, I just kept thinking I could talk him into it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I kept losing myself with before we would, you know, when I want to go somewhere, you know, I was going to go out with my friends. So everything's cool until the last minute. And then we get in a fight so that I feel terrible enough that I don't want to go out now. Oh, uh-huh. And so little things, it would be little things like that, that I look back and I'm like, yeah, that was, it was always something to stop me. Or, you know, even when you, if there's like a family situation, things, little weird things would happen like that. Just, it was, it was small things that would happen or I would be accused. Oh my gosh. We got accused of everything that 
anything that went wrong, we got accused of stealing his things, like all kinds of, you know, me and the children, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it was crazy. He just liked to start trouble between people, you know? So anyway, by the end of it, it was really the last year of it that he was full on lying to me. And it is a typical narcissistic thing for them to cheat on you. Now I have to look back and say, I don't know if anything was true that I was told, you know, like I don't know. So they, they typically other people I have talked to have like their men had a full on other relationship the entire time. If not like whole families, you know, Wow, and, and they think that they're, they're, they're a family, you know, but anyway, it was the lying. And I realized that even like I had been raising our three children together and trying to be perfect mom and all of this stuff. And then bit by bit, I kept breaking into the truths and realizing that things were not true, that it was mm. a lie. And, and honestly, like all of those like constant little lies coming at me and constant little realizing how much the gaslighting had come broken through, even though, cause in the moment I'd be like, that's not true. Like this just happened. You need to acknowledge this. Like I thought I was handling it and I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's part of getting out of it is accepting, you know, people don't want to accept victimhood. They don't want to use that word victim, but I feel like in a narcissistic relationship, you have to really accept that you were a victim Mm -hmm. so that you can, so, because otherwise the reason you've stayed in it is because you're saying I'm not a victim. No one's Mm -hmm. taking advantage of me, you know? Mm -hmm. So by the end, I was, I will say that my soul, my spirit, my nervous system completely shattered. And so I felt like there was no my whole sense of reality was not there. It wasn't real. Mm. I would tell him, I felt like you pulled the rug, not only pulled the rug out from under me, but there's no walls either. I'm just floating. Like I, everything I thought was real is not real. And that's part of the whole, you know, like there's, that's not from a normal place. This is from little bits of pieces of abuse going up, you know, throughout the years. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the end, that's, that's my main thing is that in the end, everyone feels completely broken and not knowing like how to pull themselves back together. Mm-hmm. So like almost um, as if your whole reality was shattered, like the whole, my it was my entire reality was completely shattered and it wasn't, you know, it, it's not like a normal breakup. And I, you know, I was so afraid of what's going to happen when we leave, when I leave. And I was, I was telling another person this, I was like, if you are afraid to leave your relationship, you know, it's not a healthy relationship. Mm. You know, that you, there should never be fear. I was like, I've never been afraid to leave, but I was literally afraid. I had a PTSD, like mm-hmm. complex PTSD. I was afraid to, I, you know, it got to the point of, you know, when I left, I, would uh, scan the parking lots mm. for his car or the people that, you know, he has, there's someone that calls them the flying monkeys. You know, they're like, they, they win, they rally everyone to their side because they're not only manipulating you, you don't realize, but they're manipulating everyone else. So uh. they rally everyone to your side. When a person finally sees through all of this, that is the hardest part is when you try to leave because they will start seeing you also as a threat and they will retaliate and there has been a codependency created. Like some people go into these relationships because they are codependent. I have to say I'm not a codependent person. I'm just not. Mm-hmm. And but but codependencies were set up and that's part of that whole 
feeling shattered in the end. And I was like, even in the moment, I was like, this is not me. I don't normally feel like this. And this guy is a jerk. Like, why am I feeling so shattered? So the leaving part is actually even harder than being in it. It takes a lot of strength. It takes a lot of willpower and determination. That's when things get really hard because they will, I lost all of my friends. He turned mm. to all of my friends. Wow, honey. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, it's partially because of your, it gets to a place of paranoia um, mm. because he somehow is able to manipulate people to say the things to make me think that they things were said, or I don't even, I don't understand the whole manipulative brain mindset, but they do go and what is it even called? There's a term for it where you go and you you find all the third party people and they rally them to your side to turn them against that other person. And so that that's another typical thing, though. This is very typical of narcissistic abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they try to get all of the, the other people onto their side and turn against you. So I, I lost be- my best friend. I lost, you know, pretty much anyone he could get um, in touch with. And he even had people around town feeling like they needed to report back on me. So if they saw me in the grocery store, they would, t- I, and I would try to tell my friends, like, do not tell him. If you tell him that you saw me in the grocery store, he will retaliate towards me. And, and people just would not understand, uh, take that in, but that's what they do because they are such like, that's that little child mindset, you know, of mm-hmm. not getting your way. And so they, they lash out. Mm-hmm. In whatever way that you're sensitive to, like they've, they've gotten into your brain. They know all the little workings of, of what can hurt you, you know, and, and then they use that against you. My main mission in, in helping people is the getting out part because mm-hmm. getting out is very lonely. It's, it's very lonely because you also can't talk to a lot. You try to talk to your friends and they say, Oh, well, yeah, but he's a good guy, you know, mm-hmm. and, and this is not just me. This is all my clients that I've, I've helped to like, it's the same thing because they've manipulate this person's manipulated everyone to thinking they're, they're actually really nice. And my ex will, will go and buy you drinks and buy you dinner. And, and you know, he, that's how he does it. He throws money at people. And it's really important to understand, you know, if you want to be someone's friend who is in an abusive situation that in abusive relationships, it is not always a two-way thing. There is one person who is controlling and manipulating the situation. And then there's the person who is the victim. And I know people don't like that word, but in that moment, you have to accept that you are being victimized and you need to get out. So being neutral is actually dangerous to people who are in abusive situations. Being kind to that person, you don't realize the abuser you don't realize that you're actually being manipulated to hurt the other person still. Mm. And, and they are doing that in whatever way. Like he, my ex literally tried to make me think that my friends were wanting to, you know, like hook up with him or whatever. And I would be like, I was like, I am not stupid. My friends do not, you know, my friends don't want to do that. Why are you trying to make me think that? Mm. But there's always something that they're trying to, if you are being, neutral, then you can almost bet that the abuser is using you to hurt the other person to try to get more in their head. Coming out is a very lonely, you know, you can't, it's hard to talk to most of your friends. Your friends won't understand. Your friends won't listen. You have to find someone who has actually been through that, that is aware of how narcissists work 
to get anyone to understand. And otherwise you feel like maybe I'm doing it wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe I need to give him a second chance. Maybe I need to go back. Maybe it's all in my head because that's what he's been telling me this whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, people that have been abused, they question their, their sense of reality. You begin to like, you know, am I right? Am I wrong? I don't even know anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is like, it's pretty complicated, huh? And it's, <laughs> and it's also like, not just, it's like mentally complicated, emotionally complicated, like have socially complicated. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of different layers to it. So if somebody is identifying with this at all right now, or maybe if they have friends or whatever, I mean, obviously you're saying I'm hearing that it's like, if we have friends who are saying that they are in a challenging situation and that they feel like this is something they can relate to that it's not about being neutral. It's about like being like, all right, I believe you. And so let's like, I want to support you basically to help you move through this transition and get out of this relationship. But let's say somebody is hearing this and and is feeling ready or like they want to, to leave a relationship like this. Like what are the steps that they can take? And you also, I know as an herbalist, you must have some herbs that are supportive for people. So I I would say if you, if you're in this situation or you feel like there is any question that you might be in this situation, because it can't, it can be really confusing. And a lot of people, their mental facilities are completely broken down at that point. And there, there's a lot of confusion that's happening. So it never hurts to call a counselor at a domestic violence center. Mm. And, and I wish someone would have told me that no one even said that to me. And that probably could have made a huge difference in my ability to get away faster. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are free counselors at Dom- Domestic Violence Center and they can help you discern the truth of what's happening. They're trained in that. They can give you resources to even just have counselors to go to until you do decide to leave. That's the first thing people should really take advantage of. And I wish I would have had that. So other than that, it depends on the level, how hooked in you are. Also, you have to be careful with leaving abusive relationships mm-hmm. because there is going to be some sort of retaliation. And, and we all know that, or we're all fearful of that. So I would definitely suggest putting your money away secretly, preparing yourself to be able to be set for a few, a couple of weeks to, uh, to not have to come back because mm-hmm. there's always going to be a reason to come back. And There's always going to be something that happens and it might be, oh, they get sick and your soft heart comes back to take care of them. And then you're back in that cycle again. So I forget the number of how many people go back, how many times, I think it's people average go back six times or something like that for their abusive relationships. Wow. That's like a large number. Yeah. Uh Yeah. And so you keep going back and, and you're caught in this whole Mm -hmm. drama thing. So it is very, very hard to do it. So you have to, you have to make it your number one mental priority, stay focused on it. So have a plan, have a place to go. And once you do cut off all contact with that person, because you are still in a very vulnerable place of being manipulated and you have to completely cut off all contact stay completely away from them. Don't go back. Don't go back for sex. Don't go back for you're feeling lonely. Be lonely. Be okay mm-hmm. with being lonely and and be okay in that peace that you, you get to finally have. But um, people always go back. People, even if you are, you know, even if you're raising a child with that person, you have to find a way to come have the uh, smallest amount of 
communication that you have to have, Mm -hmm. you know, yes, Mm -hmm. yes, you can pick them up at five and that's it. You know, Mm -hmm. no, no, no in-depth conversation, nothing emotional, anything. But other than that, if you can, you just have to completely break off because otherwise you will always be under there some sort of manipulation. For me, there is a very much like a energetic disconnect that I had to make. And so I tell people a lot of times you have to put up your protective walls, however those are. And for some people, I say just, you know, every morning get up and smudge yourself and let that be a smoke screen, you know, between you Mm -hmm. and that person, some sort of practice like that, like every single day, because it is, it is very hard because you're, you have to overcome. Some people say that there's a create a neurological dependency. It's an addiction. Mm -hmm. And that this, they say Mm -hmm. that this is harder than leaving than uh, quitting heroin. Wow. People. Um, so it it's very, it is like an addiction. And so you have, that's why I say you have to do it with every ounce of your being mm-hmm. to get out of it. And so have a place to, to go, a place to stay, someone that is not trying to be neutral, someone that is only willing to have your side. I had one friend who refused, you know, if, if we weren't good, she was like, I, my friend Brooke, um, that, you know, mm-hmm. um, she, yeah. she would not be friends with him. Mm-hmm. And, and I will, ha- I will say that that was like my anchor. I held mm-hmm. on to that so hard mm-hmm. because there was one person who only one person that was actually standing strong with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so other than that, in the meantime of trying to prepare to leave the adaptogens, get your adaptogens in because you need your strength and you need your stress resistance. You know, my favorites are like Shizandra and and rhodiola actually, because you're so debilitated. You're so, and the rhodiola also helps with your mental capacity, you know, Mm -hmm. like to keep your mind a little bit stronger. It's really hard in that moment. It's very hard, you know, getting, keeping your adaptogens in, keeping your nervines for anxiety going if if you need, if that's what you need, but you're going to eventually need it. And mm-hmm. um, whatever that happens to be, California poppy, or I love Shunk Pushby actually for keeping mm. my mind more just like on that even kill and not losing your mind. It's actually specifically for losing your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, you know, there's a million nervines, and I would definitely say milky oats for mm-hmm. restoring that. But to get out of it is the key thing. And then working on building and restoring and Chitavari is another one that I love just for like restoring our, our femininity, like Mm -hmm. restoring our feminine, um, uh, nourishing that femininity, like our, not only our reproductive organ organs, but it's also, it helps to build your ogis and your vitality Mm -hmm. and, and help women that have like, uh, weaker boundaries. I, I, I give it to women that are, don't have very strong boundaries, Mm -hmm. um, Never thought of Shatavri in that way, but I think that's really neat to, well, and especially with the Ogis building. And but actually, yeah. I don't think anybody on this podcast would know what Ogis is. Would you mind just sharing yeah. a little? <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, it, it's like a, a measurement of your vitality, your life vitality, mm-hmm. um, your the strength in your body. So to have good Ogis, you have pretty good resistance to stress. Any kind of stresses, you have a good immune system. You're pretty vital even nervous stress, you can stay in a grounded place. Mm-hmm. Um, people that by the time you leave an abusive relationship, you are going to have low OGIS guaranteed. Um, whether you're getting sick or not, doesn't matter. It's that the high anxiety, 
the fear that's happening, the um, overwhelm, and usually people stop eating, you know, whatever, or overeating. I will say that you you go from this low odious place, but when you break through out of one of these relationships, it is like, like you see the light of life again. Mm -hmm. And it is a beautiful place to really get out of that deep, dark tunnel that you're stuck in. But yeah, we do have to, it, it takes a lot of building. And so we do go from this place of extremely low OGIS and you have to rebuild and take these, these um, adaptogens for a long period of time, you know, a long period of time to, it takes, it's not like start to feel a little bit better and then stop. No, you need to take building adaptogens or, or, and also things to build your nervous system for six months, a year. It took, it took, take, took me probably two years to feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm still working. It's al- always a lifelong process. I feel like I'm, I feel like the PTSD, while it's subsided a lot, like it's still there for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Um I'm, I'm fine to go out in public again, but I, at one point I was very, I was very nervous about who am I going to see? What am I going to do? Who's going to report me? Who's going to, you know, who's going to create the next backlash? My clients are always, you know, they write me and they say, you know, I'm being followed. And a lot of people are, people think there's trackers on their cars. And I don't know, I don't know if it's true or not, but for some reason, the other, the abuser makes them think that they know where they've been in some ways. So it's very, it's, it's like a, you know, I would tell people, I was like, I feel like I'm one of those psycho thrillers. Like mm-hmm. it is very much like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, getting out is this long process and, and you just have to be very determined to also not get yourself back in that situation. And mm-hmm. so I, I created a lot of boundaries and, and we're like, these are going to be my red flags and all of my Whenever I would have any potential interest in anyone, first sign done, you know, mm-hmm. um, because you will attract it back until you, the universe is finally like, okay, she said no a million times, so we're gonna stop. You know, maybe the next person won't have this. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a really interesting point. Is that in some ways there's probably like an energetic imprinting on you that is like it's like easier to still attract (laughs) those kinds of people somehow, but to actually have that awareness. So I I am curious, let's just go back a little bit and just, do you feel like you've shared everything you want to share about like the healing process around it? I mean, is there more, you had mentioned something about energetic healing and ways to. Yeah. I do feel like that is extremely important part of it Um, because we can take all the herbs um, that we can, and they have, they do have a strong impact on us, but, um, really it is, what are we doing with our life that really heals us, you know, our day-to-day life. And, and so on the energetic level and on, on like the, on the personal healing level, for me, it was number one, flower essences are huge. Mm-hmm. A couple of, really key flower essences that help and and that have helped a lot of other people are mimulus is for fear. There's a lot of fear with leaving the relationship. And if that was not strong enough, then rock rose is for more like paralyzed fear. Mm-hmm. And those two are pretty key in getting out. Mm-hmm. Um, Black cohosh is for looking at your abusive situations. Mm-hmm. And I have, I can tell you a really sweet connection. I just had this 
I don't know if you saw my post about it, but I just had, was recently teaching a class last year and there were these black cohosh plants in, at this farm, this herb farm. And I started talking about it. And as soon as I touched these full grown black cohosh plants, which I don't see anymore because mm-hmm. I'm in California, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I have a very close connection with them. And I just immediately started crying, you know? And I couldn't stop in front of my class, everything. Um, And one of those wonderful moments that we have. But it all came flashing back to me that years before I had, I had was out in North Carolina harvesting on this mountainside of Black Cohosh. It was a full mountainside, beautiful. And my friend had walked back to her house to check on her kid or something. And, and I was alone and, and the Black Cohosh said, um, I'm here for you and I will protect you. Hmm. And in that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, this is an amazing, beautiful experience, but I didn't really know what it meant. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, it said, I'll gu- I will guide you. I'll protect you, you know? And then it was not to uh, probably two years, a year after that, that I became in this relationship. Mm-hmm. And I, and then when I was with it again at this farm in this particular moment, it all just kind of rushed back to me. Like, you know, and I have been depending on black co-wash on an energetic level. I, I don't even take it as much as, as a, an herb, mm-hmm. um, but I take the drops. I take it as drops of, uh, of tincture. This has been a guide for me. And I, I did start taking it towards the end of my relationship. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it does. The flower essence helps you to like, look back at, um, look at your abusive relationships and hopefully help to guide you out. I like to use black cohosh anyway for people like it's like a guide through the dark, you know? Mm-hmm. It's so interesting that you started to take it. Was that an intuitive thing towards the end of your relationship or were you intentionally? I took it intentionally because I knew that it yeah. was, um, that it was for that. And I was like, what, why can't I get out of this? Uh-huh. Why can't, you know, people say, why don't you just leave? And, you know, don't put it on the abused person because we're being highly manipulated. Anyway, the, the, the black cohosh is, um, it, it can be amazing in that. And for that, I would even use it in a more meditative state way, like, you know, take your flower essence and, and sit with it and see what it has to say. And then uh, two other ones that were super crucial for me were Mountain Penny Royal. And that was for impressions that other people have put on you. Mm. Um, and that kind of stick in your head and it, it's cleansing of those things. That was huge. Like that really, because they have put all of these different thoughts into your head. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of weird to think like, I'm such a strong person. I'm a, such a strong-minded person. How did this happen to me? But they, it gets in bit by bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love Mountain Penny Royal for getting those thoughts out of my head, um, clearing those the ways I've been retrained or whatever. And then Echinacea Flower Essence also. Oh my gosh, I love Echinacea for people with PTSD on any level. Hmm. It really, you know, it strengthens that core, but it is for that shattered self. Mm-hmm. And anytime a person feels like they've been shattered from, you know, even from illness or whatever, uh, echinacea flower essence can really pull those pieces back together. Mm-hmm. And I felt like when, and that was a, I had not worked with mountain penny roll ever before or echinacea. And I just tried it and was like, oh my gosh, this is what I've been needing. You know, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a process, you know, we, we have to move through our, the phases of healing, but those were all super important for me and really shifted things. 
Mm-hmm. Besides that, besides the flower essences, those are key ones that I almost always get in people's formulas, um, even for my clients as well, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that have been through trauma. So other than that, huge things that shifted me were the thing with the abusive relationships. And there's so much manipulation going on that it. I'm a very rational person. So I rationalize everything in my brain and that works. However, this, I could not rationalize. I could not rationalize. I was like, I need to get out of this. This is not healthy. I'm actually being destroyed. I actually got kicked into hyperthyroidism at one point. Oh, wow. And, um, hyperthyroidism, like hyper. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I thought I was going to die. I literally thought I was going to die Mm because I thought I was going to have a heart attack. And Mm -hmm. I could rationalize like, this is not healthy. I need to get away from this person. He is literally doing things to hurt me every day, you know, mm-hmm. and um, trying to, and, and trying to get to my friends. Like it was so bad, but there was another part of me that was saying, oh, but we have this family together and we've done all this stuff and I don't want to leave that, you know? Mm. And um, I could not rationalize my way out of it. I, I just couldn't. And so talking even to a therapist, talk therapy did not work. You know, mm-hmm. I, I know what I need to do, but there's this other part. And so it's that energetic thing. And so what things that really helped me were things I did a rebirthing ceremony and rebirthing. You can, you can Google it. You can YouTube it. It's pretty actually simple process, but in, maybe you need guidance, you know, depending on what your state is, but it, in that it's really a breathing technique, right? It's a mm-hmm. breathing technique that helps you to release things. So that was very huge. I did another program that was, her name is Melanie Tonya Evans. It is for narcissistic abuse, but hers is, it's meditations where you go into those wounded parts that attract, you know, or are narcissists based and clear them out, like go in and work with your inner child and, and just clear those things out. And, and that was actually huge for me. So I think that like it's working on that energetic level, getting some energy healing around all of that is really what worked by leaps and bounds for me. I felt like every time I did one of those, these meditations are long, they're two hours long. So you have to be really, you have to be like desperate (laughs) for it to work, but I was desperate. Mm -hmm. And um, I felt like every time that I was pulling this, I had this image of this huge white parasite thing that I would pull off my brain. Mm, It it would happen a few days later, you know? And so I bit by bit, I got better, but it was those sorts of things. And then another one that was a breathing technique. I I actually did the plant spirit initiation with Pam Montgomery, the um, Mm -hmm. California poppy one. We did this one breath work thing. And finally, that was the last thing that, you know, it just showed me this is who this person really is. And you cannot do this anymore. Mm. And, and with that, so there's like this whole energy aspect that you have to cut that person off. And I did cord cutting ceremonies. I did all kinds of stuff and the, and they all did help bit by bit, but it takes, you have to keep doing it over and over again to really get yourself to a healed place. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like if not, then you're going to keep pulling it in. And I know, I know this from, people I worked with, you know, like we, you do, I don't know if we really attract them in or if we just, you know, give in to it, or if I I don't know, I can't really say which, which way it goes. Mm -hmm. You just don't want to find yourself in that situation again, you know? Mm -hmm. So I did feel like those sorts of things really helped. I also walked a labyrinth, you know, and the person that guided me to this, I 
she was like, just walk in this labyrinth. And while you're doing it, you're hiding yourself from that. You're completely hiding yourself from that person's energy. So it was a daily practice of cutting myself off, blocking all sorts, all um, communication. So I really felt like the, the breath work, some sort of breath work meditations, those sorts of things were really huge in my ability to get to the next level. It wasn't, it wasn't rational talk. It wasn't journaling. It wasn't being able to talk to people for me, other than talking to people that did understand, yes, that does help. They got me to a place of being more grounded in, in my reality, mm-hmm. except that it was real. But for me doing the sorts of maybe somatic body work, those sorts of things is what really helped to move me beyond, get me back to that healed place and more rational place of thought. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense just from this concept of like repatterning your brain or repatterning your being in terms of shifting, like really shifting realities, like coming from a place where like your reality is one thing and then literally cre- cultivating yourself again <laughs> and then exactly stepping into the world. Like there's so much that has to happen in that process. So like, that's absolutely makes sense that there's like physical aspects. Maybe there's the shatavari, maybe there's even, I would imagine that even some people, for some people, it might be like foods that they're eating, like grounding foods, like really getting some, exactly. you know, whatever feels right for, I would imagine each person is kind of unique and different as we all are, but like, and their right. pro- process will be, but like getting all those energetic levels. And like, for me, this past in my health journey, the past couple of years, very, very different, not coming from an abusive place, but coming from a very shattered place in my body. I actually did, a, I did brain retraining. I was working on um, neural, the neural retraining through mm-hmm. something called DNRS. And anyway, it was like this daily practice that I did for an hour every single day. And it, it took a really long time for it to, I felt very silly when I was doing it. <laughs> Because <laughs> in my logical brain, it was like, how is this really doing anything? But <laughs> but seriously, like that's part of it, right? And so for some people that might be listening who might be like, this sounds like there's too much woo-woo-ness in some of this energetic stuff. It's like actually just allowing yourself to imagine that some of this is possible or just opening up to it and just trying it, you know, and like recognizing that, yeah, it might take many, many, many attempts for it to actually start to like settle in. And that's okay. That's part of healing. Healing takes time. Healing takes time. Yes, There's like, it does. We have to be patient with ourselves and give ourselves grace. I'm just curious for you about like the longer term process, you know, as you've kind of come into this place of being more strong and more independent and comfortable, like how does it work for you in your current or more recent relationships? How do you come to a place of like trusting relationship again? And do you, do you have any practices or anything that you're working with? Well, as far as like trusting relationship, I feel pretty good in knowing that this person was really messed up, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and hopefully there's not too many people. I, I mean, I guess, okay, the, they're saying an estimate of narcissistic personality disorder for people around like, I think it's like 30 and up or something. 
is like 30%. That's pretty, <laughs> That's pretty freaking high. <laughs> like pretty high. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, so I'm not trying to find, is everyone a narcissist? Right. Uh-huh. But, and, and then some people say, okay, well, the community we live in has a lot of narcissists, in it. <laughs> but, um, and maybe that is true because of, I can see why, like, there's a lot of ways that people can get away with anything they want. Mm-hmm. That's that's another narcissistic thing. Like they, they get away with, they try to just do what they, they just do what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, uh, so like, like moving forward in, in relationship. I mean, I was, I was single for five years after, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that is more because, I mean, it was my, my journey. I was healing. I didn't even, I didn't want to be in a relationship for a long mm-hmm. time, you know? Mm-hmm. And I also like, I was trying to rebuild myself. And I felt good in that. And I, like I said, I'm actually a pretty independent person and, and I loved it as well. Like not being in any drama or (laughs) as I was also, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm done with drama. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I need just peace. I need to just be with my daughter. And so for me, it was like, I realized not everyone is psychopathic, you know, (laughs) he is a very specific person, but as far as just like, getting to know other people and potential dating. I'm not very good at really dating ever, but when I was talking to people, I would just look for clues. Um, And I think I said a little bit about that earlier. And I would just look for clues on, do they have, okay, what are my agreements with myself? I need them to be able to follow through with their word because Mm -hmm. that tells me, you know, um, I need, I need them to be able to, to, to be clear with their answers. And I realized that my last sex was very vague with a lot of things. And that's mm-hmm. where the confusion came in. You know, when I'm getting to know people, I would just listen to what they how do they answer questions? Do they answer, did, you know, why couldn't you, one person, they couldn't, I said, oh, the waitresses here know you. And they, they started talking about how their baby's mama's family comes here a lot. And I was like, wait, <laughs> you can, you can just say that you meet here a lot. We're in a small town. Like, yeah. like, and I was like, okay, red flag, you know? And then once I did get into a relationship, it was, it, it was, a, I was like, look, I am a messed up person at this point. Like I used to be, I, honestly, before I was in this abusive relationship, I have never, never knew what anxiety was like to experience it. Mm. I have never experienced anxiety in my entire life. Um, I, I've been very, I've been a very grounded person. Like I am very lucky that I didn't have childhood trauma, not, not, you know, anything that's big. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just, I was pretty good before then. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, panic attacks, all these crazy things, mm. you know, getting into a new relationship. I was just like, you, you know, you got to be able to deal with where I'm at. You know, I have, I'm super fragile. Like I, I very strong compared to where I was, but I know there's fragility. And I know that like coming into a relationship, things are going to come up that I can't work on by myself. Like I have, you know, they're going to have, they're going to happen in relationship. I just, I'm really clear with here's where I'm at and can I trust and trust was um, a thing I had to work on for sure. Just, and, and me, I'm a direct communicator and I just ask lots of questions. (laughs) It was just like, I just need to ask questions to make sure everything's good with where I need to be, uh, you know, with relationships. And, and, and so it was definitely probably a slower process than it's ever been, but that's what happens when you need to be a little more guarded and you've learned your lessons in life and it was good to be able to trust again, you know? Mm-hmm. There is another aspect of, of being in a relationship like that and being in the gaslighting situations is that you 
don't, there is a confusion with what is my intuition and what is this fear that I have? Like, Uh where, where does it, like now there's kind of, it feels like there's a gray area in it. And when I was in the relationship, my intuition was on, was right all the time. Of course your intuition is right all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. But I stopped listening to it. But then once you've been through some trauma, you have this fear that comes up and you're like, you have to really work hard to differentiate between your fear and your intuition. Mm -hmm. And that, that can be a hard thing. So you just have to walk very lightly with that and try to, you know, compartmentalize. I do know that this is a fear of mine, so it might just be fair. And and, and so that's, that's tricky. And it's probably, it's just how you have to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like any kind of like healing from any kind of trauma, not just uh, relationship trauma, but also relationship trauma has all of that in it. You know, like there's the, like, yeah. Is because whatever it is, whatever kind of trauma we experience, there's like fear involved in that too. And there's also yeah. other emotions and triggers. And so, yeah, we all have to learn in our own way. And so, this I feel like is also applicable. I mean, not specifically, you've been speaking to narcissistic abuse and relationships and pulling yourself out, which is like very specific and very amazing, especially for anybody who is in that situation. But I feel like a lot of this can also be applied to other kinds of trauma and other kinds of situations and being able to like, especially with the protection pieces and with needing the support and having all the different ways of working with healing processes. It's just all of it. Yeah. 100%. Even, you know, even like childhood trauma, you Mm -hmm. you still have those, Mm -hmm. the fears that come up and and what is my intuition? What is my fear? And, and do I need to be protected? Because, you know, sometimes it's from not having protection or, Mm -hmm. you know, as a child or, or, or as an adult, it doesn't matter, but any trauma is, it's really hard to overcome. Mm -hmm. And I, and that's why I feel like bringing it into my daily practice of whether that's also working with mantras or, or, you know, prayers that you do every day to reinforce that, that Mm -hmm. healing that you need. Um, that's for everyone. You know, there, there is a difference with abuse, but man, there's abuse on a lot of levels and, yeah. and um, a lot of people are carrying abuse that they don't really call abuse, but you know, it happened in their childhood. And some people can't have been abused so much that, or even on a small amount that they can't see that they've been abused mm-hmm. and, totally. you know, they can't see that that's part of their family dynamic is abuse, you know? Mm-hmm. So if you can't, even if you can't see that, you can still put up your boundaries. You can still put up your, um, and actually Centauri, uh, flower essence. I love for, uh, boundaries. You can still put up your boundaries and recognize just in any situation, what are my unhealthy relationships? You know, e- even just friendship level, even, mild levels of friendships, the people that are not close to you, if they don't make you feel good, just get rid of them. Like, mm-hmm. you know, keep, keep your circle as small as you need it to. And sometimes that's just you by yourself. And the more that you create, you have that emptiness, then other people can fill in that space. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's better to get rid of anything that's toxic in your life. So that other things can fill in. <laughs> um, yes. it's, it's better to be alone. It's better to put up all of those shields temporarily and heal. But the thing is like, put up your shields, but heal. Mm-hmm. And then you can let them back down. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I love all of this, Amy. Thank you so much for just sharing all of your wisdom. I feel like your lived wisdom, you're w- working with clients and just, I feel like this is very 
I don't know. It's going to be helpful for anybody who's experienced, I think even in just a healing process, right? Cause like, even for me it, in like my physical, I've had traumatic experiences in my life too, but specifically more recently, the physical healing process for me, I had to put up a lot of boundaries. Like I had yeah. to literally like close off my entire life. <laughs> Like there was like no connection aside from me and my partner, basically. And I'm like in my home and I'm like not doing a lot and I'm not having communications with people. And some people are communicating with me and I'm not communicating back. And I'm letting them know that like, it doesn't mean I don't love them, but I actually can't, like, I don't have the space for that. And in order to actually like come back from being totally shattered, like I needed to create a cave for myself. Mm-hmm. And you so have I to heal. Yeah. Yeah. And healing. And then I had to really focus on healing, like truly like Mm -hmm. give myself a freaking year to just focus on healing, which is probably the same when you're coming from a place of that level of abuse and relationship trauma and stuff. It's just like, actually give yourself the space. So anyway, I'm so grateful for all of this wisdom. So, so grateful and just honoring you for everything you've been through. Like it's a lot, it's a lot that you've been holding. And can I make one more point? One last Absolutely. point. Absolutely. Yes. And, yes. And that's with, um, you know, after we go through these traumas, there is a place I feel like that we can use, you, that we can use that as a jumping off point, mm-hmm. you know? And, but the thing is after, after coming out of an abusive relationship and all of the the strength or like even your, you know, like your sickness, all the strength that it takes for you and focus to come out of this kind of situation. Um, now, you know, you have it and mm-hmm. sure we're, t- we're tired mm-hmm. of, I'm tired of being strong. I say that all the time, <laughs> but also like since then I realized how much during that time I was held back. And, and when I'm in an unhealthy situation, I'm just, I don't, I can't shine like I do. And Mm -hmm. after, after all of this, like people, you know, people say it all the time, like, oh my gosh, you've just like blossomed into Mm -hmm. this other Mm -hmm. like thriving person. And, you know, and so I got out of this situation where I was working, you know, working for him and not getting paid and always, you know, always in a place of just not being able to stand up, stand up. And now once I finally figured out how to stand up again, things thrived. Like my business got so much better. My uh, teaching, my school, like, you know, blew up. Everything got to, I even started becoming a samba dancer. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Uh (laughs) Like I had never even thought like I'm not a high heels glitter (laughs) or anything sort of person. Well, now you are. (laughs) I know. And and I even went into that, like I was studying Afro-Brazilian, which is barefoot and low to the ground. And, and then my teacher was like, can you come perform? I showed up for the performances. She's like, here, wear heels and (laughs) and feathers and everything. And I was like, okay, I guess it's time to shine. And it, and it really, because of all of, you know, this whole breakthrough that I finally, you have to just push through to get there. And if you can break through the final last parts of it, there's a whole nother world out there and Mm -hmm. it's all even, even fresh, you know, Mm -hmm. and you can, you can recreate whatever you need to, we can recreate at any point in our life. Like we can, we can start over multiple times and that's okay. But um, uh, there is a benefit to, having to start from being a freaking crumble of ashes, you know, Mm -hmm. and then you get to 
recreate whatever you want out of that. And, and, and so since then, like, you know, people say, don't, don't say, don't be a victim, don't be a victim. But I did have to accept that I was a victim in that moment to get out. But I am, don't play the victim on any level at this point. Like I, you know, it's like I was a victim in that situation and now I'm not because mm-hmm. I've, I've overcome that. That was a one-time thing. It's not my day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. Um, just being able to break the power it took to break through that also gave me more power to keep pushing with whatever I wanted to. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yes. You're a strong blossoming human now. You may, <laughs> you may have been a shattered seed down, you know, in the darkness, but you yeah. are absolutely a strong blossoming human. If and I loved it- watching that too. I've seen yeah. it over the years. It's like, holy mama, you were just like yeah. <laughs> humming yourself, you know, like becoming anew. And I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you. Yeah. So now, like, since we're talking about all your shining and all your beautiful projects, do you want to share about how people can get in touch with you if you want to? Are you focused? Like, it's you're just so deeply connected to this sort of emotional space. Do you specialize in that? Or are you just kind of like, do you see people clinically online? How can people get in touch with you? How do you want them to connect? <laughs> I, I do see lots of people um, clinically online and in person uh, locally. I kind of do it all because I like doing it all. I cannot just teach. I cannot just see uh, my patients. Like I have to do both because there are people that need individual help. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I do love doing both. My clinical practice is lasyawellness.com, L-A-S-Y-A wellness.com. And um, in this school is schoolbotanicalstudies.com. Through my school, I love to inspire people and inspire people to get into this world and start using, um, you know, plants. But through my private practice, I help people through that individual level because, you know, as you know, every body is different mm-hmm. and, and we all have our different traumas. And so I do help people work through whatever, you know, some people come in to me for digestive problems and Mm -hmm. it's really a trauma problem, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So there's no differentiating. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, you know, through my clinical practice, I help people and a lot of people need it step by step by step to actually get to that good place. So, and that's where the flower essence is. And, and I really actually do a lot more with how are you living your life every day, you know, Mm -hmm. day to day. Yeah. So um, yeah, those are the two ways to get in touch. And then I, I am on uh, social media, on Facebook and Instagram. So, yeah. yeah. And are you just Amy Branham, or what's the what's your social? Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll put the links on the show notes page so that people can contact you, can connect. With okay. You. Cool. Well, thank you. Yes. That's and is fun. there? Do you have any projects or anything specific? Any offerings coming up that you want to tell anybody about it, or is it? I do have my level two class, the uh, community herbalism class that starts in July. Um, mm. It's online and in person. And, um, it's a six month program and let's see. And then I am going to be, uh, teaching a four week webinar through the American Herbalist Guild on trauma on herbs for trauma. Oh, awesome. Not, cool. Yeah. Not, not necessarily, um, abuse, but all trauma. And mm-hmm. so that's, a it's a, a, a four week series, um, that's going to be happening in July, I believe. Awesome. So. Oh, yeah. Cool. Well, I'll get the links for all those things and then I can put them on the show notes page too. So people can just go there and check you out and learn more from you because you are 
obviously you just like have such an embodied knowledge and everything that you're sharing. And I really appreciate that. That's like my favorite. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you so, so, so much, Amy. I'm such a pleasure and an honor to have you here today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And this was fun. So. Ah, my friends, we've made it to the end of the interview. And if you are here, wow, thank you. Thank you for sticking around. And I hope that it's been really supportive and helpful for you. I hope that there's some gems from this, whether that this is for your own self and your own experience or a friend or if you're a clinical practitioner or a counselor or anybody that this is able to support you. And just understanding, you know, what it looks like to not only be in a chronic abusive situation and how it can be not even that visible and not even that easy to spot, but also how people could stay in it and really starting to comprehend and have compassion for folks who continue to go back to that sort of thing. And then also how much of a huge shift and transition it is to extricate or like pull out from that situation and start anew, you know, start from this kind of shattered sense of being. And I feel like Amy gave us a lot of tools and great advice and suggestions and really just that importance of having support, whether that's from friends, whether that's from organizations that can be supportive. Yeah, this is deep and real stuff. And obviously, it's something that is beyond the scope of just one podcast episode to go into the depths of, but I feel like this is a pretty deep dive. And of course, you can go check out what Amy is doing. She does online clinical work too. So if you feel like you want some one-on-one support, she's somebody you can go check out. Uh, I'll have all her links on the show notes page, which will be herbalwomb.com forward slash episode 16. That's the number 16. So herbalwomb.com forward slash episode 16. And well, now my friends, if you've listened to the whole episode, I hope that you're able to go outside, spend some time with the earth, ground yourself, take some deep breaths, really just find a way to release and just integrate this information. Um, She gave us some great ideas around things like flower essences, and she mentioned when those might be helpful. Those could be helpful. Flower essences are an energetic or very, very subtle medicine that work on the energetic and emotional level. And so they're very safe to take no matter what drugs you're taking or anything like that. So those are things that, you know, if you go back and you listen to, I'm not specifically a flower essence practitioner. I do have awareness of some of them. I make them sometimes. I do incorporate them sometimes, but I'm definitely not trained as a flower essence practitioner and it's not a huge part of my practice. So when you hear somebody who is, that's a great time to take note and see if you resonate with any of those reasons for taking those and you can explore them on your own. And I will definitely have some of the basics on the show notes page as well. Again, that's herbalwomb.com forward slash episode 16. Just what I can get down. It'll just be a real rough draft of outline because there's so much that's that Amy has gone through that's really personal and really kind of descriptive in nature that I'm not going to be able to get onto the show notes. There's so much more in the conversation than what I can write down, but I'll have the basics down and I'll list some of the flower essences there if you want to go and see those. And otherwise, that is it for today. As always, I really encourage you, if you think that any of this information would be helpful for anyone that you know, please share it. 
that's the reason that we're doing this to get the information out there for folks who maybe like Amy don't feel like they have the support that they need. So definitely share it, whether that's through texting or emailing or sharing on social media. You can tag me at Herbal Womb Wisdom. You can tag Amy at Lassia Vitality on Instagram. And it's been an honor. It's been a deep pleasure and an honor to be here with you. I really hope that you're taking something away from this that is going to support your life. And I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for this time that we get to share together. And I'm really looking forward to seeing you again next week. So until then, my beautiful friends, live well, connect deeply, and have a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you.